Hello, and welcome to the Session 6 Sport Performance Podcast, powered by Weight Endurance. I'm your host, Cody Waite, sitting across the table here from my co-host, Kathy Waite. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome back. Uh, we are on episode 10 of our podcast series. This podcast is brought to you by our um, base our, builder. 2019-2020 base builder program. Base builder program, yeah. So um, we're heading off into our 15th year of this really cool off-season base building training program and implementing this podcast series to provide more um, information and anecdotes and tidbits and advice to um, all the athletes that are training with us primarily remotely um, from wherever you happen to live um, and sharing kind of the tips and things that we share with our in-house athletes at Session 6 Sport Performance in Lakewood, Colorado, uh, where we hold our trainer sessions and our strength training sessions. So, um, Speaking of which, how has that been, been going? We're in the, the strength training Yeah, this phase. was week five of our... Um, first block of training. We have eight weeks of the first block. And yeah, this was the first week that we started adding a little bit heavier weights for the back squats and deadlifts. And people did well with it, I think. Good. And then we added more reps for our push-pull sets. And people were finally grunting a little bit. A little bit of grunting. Yeah, okay. because we, we kept it lighter weight and um, few reps to begin with. And we joked about how like easy it was and ridiculously light weight it was. But, right, which yeah. is intended to be in the yeah. beginning. And now this it. week, um, it was like you had to pay the piper and see if you chose the right weight the first week. Yeah, as soon as the rep count gets mm-hmm. a little bit higher in the fifth week here. But it was good. And we also um, started over on course at one. So um, we, if you're in-house with me, I, I try to add some more progressions to some of the movements to make them a little more difficult. Yeah. Some of them I have made up my own. Some of them I've found on Instagram myself. And, yeah, it's fun. And you get to kind of customize the different movements kind of yeah. for the our in-house athletes. And for those of you who are following from home, I'm going to attempt to put videos up either um, on our Instagram page and also on our YouTube uh, channel. I, that's where I'd really like to, to focus them. So on YouTube, we have our our training videos at Session 6 Sport Performance channel on YouTube. And everything you need for the Base Builder Program is there now, but I would like to add some supplemental movements, some hip yes. exercises, some more shoulder exercises, and then these progressions with the core sets as we go along. That would be awesome. Yeah, I, it's kind of fun. I know a lot of people would really like Keep to it see, fresh. Yeah, it keeps it fun, fresh and fun and and yeah, for those looking for more of a challenge, mm-hmm. um, or sometimes some of the things we have maybe are slightly too challenging, and you can kind of like oh, that's true as well. Like yeah, I'll think about that. Downgrade angle. it. You know, or, I don't know if that's the right word. Well, simplify it a little simplify bit. It, yeah, um, especially if this is all so new for you. Um, right. Well, speaking of which, like we you just posted a night or two ago um, on Instagram. Oh right, the pull the up pull progression. Up progression. Yeah. and I I did. Okay, so yeah, I posted a video of Sophia, my daughter doing pull-ups and it was it all started as a joke she wanted to um kind of be silly and look like she was pulling out rep after rep of, of uh, the movie pull-ups, yeah pull-ups. Pull-ups, like she was yeah. so cool and then she told me like pan away start close and then pan away and then people would see in the video that she was actually basically sitting on the ground underneath the pull-up bar that was on j-hooks attached to the rig and um it was it was cute and it also was a really good way to show people that you don't have to be able to do real, I'm doing air quotes, real pull-ups. Yeah. You can 
do modifications. And, and this adaptation I learned from Sean Paris, who runs the CrossFit part of the, the gym. And it's an awesome progression. Oh, I yeah. love it. It's it's my favorite one. Yeah, because I've seen in, in class have people use like those big rubber bands to mm-hmm. effectively like lighten their own body weight, essentially, to make the pull-ups easier. But I mean, I've tried those just, just to try them, and I find them sort of awkward feeling to one to get started like to get your foot in and grab the bar that's true it is awkward to get started it's not and, a natural pull and you feel. may not have bands where you are it's like you're at your local rec center you're going to be lucky if they have um, barbells oh, and they right. probably don't have extra bands and such because i think they're afraid people are going to walk off with them uh, so they don't, they don't have like little things lying around like that goof around and hurt themselves yes you know who knows what teenage boys do <laughs> afternoons <laughs> so check out um the video i posted yesterday on our instagram page uh is it session six endurance is that what you have it under or session six sport performance uh session uh session six endurance yeah session six endurance so there's two instagrams there's session six crossfit which obviously has all the crossfit uh stuff media in it and then Ours is session six endurance. Right. So it's like it's a endurance. cool video, but if you can kind of picture it, you're using the barbell you would use for back squats on the hooks and you lower it to where if you're sitting underneath the barbell you can reach with your arms above your head. And then you decide how much legs you use for the movement. Yeah, she was sitting sort of almost like Indian style. Yeah, and she was trying to make her legs, quote, as dead as possible because she's strong enough to do that. But you could push off the ground with your feet as well right. if you need more help. Right, right. That's kind of cool. You get to really use your lats and be in that position you would be if you were hanging from the, the bar. Right. I think it's a great idea, great progression. And then eventually you work up to a kind of unassisted mm-hmm. strict pull-up. And, and a progression there would be maybe you, you can't do 10 or 15 pull-ups at the beginning because who, who could jump from 0 to, to 15? But you might do one or two um, unassisted pull-ups and then go back to your barbell that's set up for the assisted pull-ups and finish out the, the rep mm, set. Yeah, good idea. And so you sort of like, you can. Yeah, sort of merge the two together until you get stronger. Yeah, because pull, pull-ups, well, like many things, I suppose, in the gym, but pull-ups, like, oftentimes, like, you can rep out a few good ones, and then, but when that strength kind of mm-hmm. goes, it goes, and you can't do anymore. So you I can't. Like so like, finish out how many reps you were intending to do with some help. And I would say the same as for push-ups, because maybe you, especially females, were just... That, that's just a little bit more challenging of a movement typically. Maybe you've worked up to doing three or four plank push-ups on the ground and then your arms start giving out and you you start sagging your low back and you're Which wiggling all over the place. No, no, yeah, no. you're wiggling all over the place. So we'll do the three or four solid plank push-ups that you can do and then either put your knees down or go over to a bench or a box and do more of like an incline push-up. Right, like an elevated... Like a yeah, slightly elevated push-up, which is my right. favorite mod, actually, more than the, the knees on the ground. Okay. So, yeah, that's a, it's a really good way to um, progress into doing more challenging yeah. um, body weight movement. I like it. I think our followers here will really appreciate it, too, following the program, because a lot of the exercises we have in there maybe are just a little too difficult... Mm-hmm. beginning out you know beginning with and then the more advanced athletes maybe they get to where doing you know three sets of 25 push-ups is no big deal so other ideas of how we can make that a little mm-hmm. bit uh more challenging yeah um, i have some ideas for that as well great well i'm gonna hold you to that okay we want we want the the more content you know updated stuff keep stuff fresh and fun and keep the value going for people and one other thing that happened this week is we had two new people join our 6 p.m strength session and um, 
it was a lot to, to sort of learn as, as they came into class. Um, so we didn't do barbells with them this week, these two ladies. When we got to the strength set, they used kettlebells for squats and deadlifts versus using barbells. And we'll progress as we have time to, to like let them learn those movements. But it just didn't make sense. So if you are listening from home and you're learning these movements and you're feeling overwhelmed, like how can I learn all these core movements and the push-pull sets and the back squat deadlift? Yeah. Well, just keep it simple. Maybe you focus on the core sets at first until they feel comfortable and use dumbbells or kettlebells to do the squats and deadlifts. Yeah. And I could post some videos about that too. Okay. I think that would be great. Yeah, because this first eight weeks of our base builder program this year is really designed to ease people into things, right? Mm -hmm. So it's people can progress at different rates. If you already know what you're doing in the gym, then you can move right along and actually start building some strength. But if you're brand new, you know, like you just said, take a step back, take the time to learn things, do it correctly, and then progress at your own rate. And then when we get into block two in November, uh, you'll be that much better prepared for that. So good advice, good advice. Um, Well, great. Um, So episode 10 that we're in here, some things we want to go over um, or what we're sort of titling this one is getting ready for trainer season. So, um, like it or hate it, <laughs> love it, whatever, riding the trainer, that season is coming, particularly if you live, um, in kind of the most parts of the U S I mm-hmm. suppose, if, unless you're And the, particularly the if you've decided to try our base builder program, yes, you because, will be on the trainer pr- probably. Right. Now, now you don't have to be on the trainer, but we're big advocates of it regardless of where you live, be, just simply for the efficiency We'll talk a little bit about that um, as we go, but we want to also kind of touch on things like um, essentially getting your pain cave dialed in now, Um, because if you're going to follow our program, we've got about four more weeks of kind of easing into things, maximizing our outdoor riding, and then it's going to be trainer time um, in about, yeah, four weeks, I believe. So get your equipment figured out now, everything you need. We'll run through everything and get that set up, get that pain cave set up. And then I also want to talk a little bit about um, smart versus dumb trainers. So um, a dumb trainer being, you know, more of the old school, like fluid type trainer, um, non-electric power meter um, computer-based trainer. Um, Talk about how to, if that's the piece of equipment you have to work with, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. I used a fluid trainer. In fact, I used the same fluid trainer for probably 12 years um and you can do amazing things yeah you started me on a a dumb trainer yeah i didn't know anything different until a few years ago yeah so the smart trainers are a relatively new thing in the last like five six years um of being good at least and um uh so we'll just talk about some of the differences those so if you have a smart trainer we'll tell you our preferred way to use it um, for base training, and then if you have a non-smart trainer, we'll um, give you our tips on how to use that. And then also, I want to touch on just a, the big, like sort of ten thousand foot view of the training progression that we'll be doing on the trainers, and how to sort of structure an overall like base training season, um, in, incorporating trainers. So it's a lot of trainer talk and getting ready for that. Um, and then, of course, as always, we'll touch on next week's. Um, training for the base builder program, which will be week six at the end there. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, it's fall now. It's officially, officially fall. Yeah. Um, it feels like fall in the morning now when I take yeah, the dogs out for a walk. I feel like this morning in particular was the first morning 
where it really felt like fall. There's something mm-hmm. different maybe about the lighting. It was a little like cooler and had some clouds and yeah, I know. You I mean that's how I felt when we were having lunch in Boulder today. Yeah, people were wearing well, people pants and sweatshirts. <laughs> well, I was too, and um, well, uh, we're all different. I was wearing a sweatshirt too. Yeah, I guess. So. Um, and the lighting was different today. It felt like fall. Yeah, so fall is here, and that's why we want to talk trainers because it's right around the corner. Um, what else have we been up to? Well, I had a birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Thank buddy! You. Thank you. Forty-one years old. Um, what else? Yeah. Well, we got some really good training in. Yeah, you and well, th- the three of us, you, Sophia, and I decided to do a little mini training camp. Little block, three day block. It wasn't a camp, yeah, yeah, a block because we know we're headed to Arizona in a few weeks, and you have to try to prepare your body for it so you don't get hurt. Exactly. Which yeah. is what happened to me, you know, last About a year. Well, not a year, but last yeah. winter. So, yeah, it was actually a big deal for me to do three pretty significant rides, uh, three days in a row. We we rode about four hours on Tuesday. Well, you and Sophia rode three or four hours on Wednesday morning. Mm-hmm. I opted to do the to do the cyclocross race Wednesday night, but I took the long route over to Golden via Lookout Mountain mm-hmm. and um, had a two thousand foot climb warm up before I raced cyclocross. So mine was a little bit different on Wednesday. Yeah. And then we all rode together Thursday morning and did about three hours. I think you and Sophia did three bit. and a half. Yeah. So three yeah, good days I'm tired. of riding. I am super tired. Yeah, and all very low intensity. I, I'm i finding it very enjoyable right now because it's just like get on the bike and, and ride. There's no other real agenda, so to speak. In fact, we a couple of those rides, it was even, we didn't exactly know where we were going to go. And we just sort of decided like, oh, let's mm-hmm. go this way. Oh, we'll go up here and, you know, until we have to turn around and go back. And let's go do this climb. And no, It was really fun. Uh, I'm... I'm just not in the kind of shape that you and Sophia are, so I'm probably more tired than, than you guys. Right. But you're getting there. So I'm getting there. It's, I've progress. noticed my progress over the last few weeks, for sure. But, yeah, <laughs> I'm a little tired today. Yeah, um, and I'm kind of, I'm a little beat up, too, because I've taken two falls in the last two cyclocross races I've done. So I have a nice bruise on each hip and a couple of bruises on my knees. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes. Welcome to... Welcome to cross. Well, welcome to any racing for me. True, good point. <laughs> Tend to fall. I do, I do, I do. You went for a long spell without falling. Well, I haven't, well, I haven't raced in a year. Oh, that's is that why. what it was? You, <laughs> yeah. you weren't racing and riding much. Okay. Yeah, but that's okay. Uh-huh. I, it's just, it was kind of funny on Saturday. Was it Saturday or Sunday we raced in Valmont? Uh, Saturday. Saturday. I was feeling pretty cool on the flow part, like the pump track, where the race routed us. And as soon as I had that thought in my mind, oh, wow, I'm really good at this. <laughs> I was on the ground, like, before I could even finish my thought. Okay. Boom, I hit my hip. So oh. the moral to that story is never think you're cool while you're racing because you might fall. Right, yeah. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> um, what else? Right. That's about it. That's about it. What do, we, do we have any questions? Oh, yes. Uh, you got an email last week from a guy named Wes. So I was going to read it to you, read it to our listeners, and then you can explain what you suggested to Wes. Okay. And he writes, Cody, hope all is well. I'm loving the remote program, especially the strength work. I haven't lifted like this in years, and it's a ton of fun. That's awesome. We love hearing that. Um, I've been sick the last few days, which has given me a little time to think about goals. I'm I'm not sure what to target for 2020. Either a few big events or try to do it XC season, cross-country season. 
Now that I'm commuting back and forth between Denver and Frisco, I want to be real about my goals. So the question is this, what does a big training week look like for Leadville? Your athletes have had great results there, just something I'm mulling over, and I want, and I want to make sure I can handle the workload with everything else in life. Hope to connect in person at the dojo in the coming weeks, Wes. Um, so before I pass it off to you, I just, just want to say thanks, Wes, for the question, and we do hope you stop by our facility in Lakewood and, and say hello. Yeah, that would be great. Um, yeah, I remember this question from Wes. Um, so basically, I think what he's asking is, well, first of all, kudos to you for thinking about goals, um, goal setting. It is also that time of year, um, and we will have an episode coming up in the not-so-distant future about kind of the goal-setting process. Um, so good job on, on thinking thinking about those. Um, and I think what he's asking is, you know, he's debating between um, doing a cross-country season, which typically would be like more free, frequent racing. Um, and shorter races. And shorter races. So kind of like building up for sort of a, quote, season, and then like kind of racing, recovering, mm, racing, recovering, right, racing, right. recovering, um, which is a different kind of tr- training altogether when you get into that like race preparatory phase um, versus more of like a bigger event that you're targeting a build up to. So he mentioned Leadville. So that's obviously a big event, hundred mile mountain bike race and um, definitely something you have to kind of like consciously prepare for mm-hmm. and build up to. Um, and that's a little bit different kind of training because there you're kind of doing a very long continuous build up to your a race as opposed to like a build up to sort of a season that might be many weeks long that makes sense and balancing kind of fitness over the course of several weeks versus like maximizing everything you got for like one day or one event um so to answer his question specifically about like leadville and, and basically any kind of high volume event whether it be dirty kanza or um, even a multi-day high-volume event like a Breck Epic stage race or um, something where you're doing hours of riding or racing. Um, <clears throat> a lot of the gravel races kind of fall into that category as well. Um, how many like hours, what kind of volume would you be looking for? Um, and to be quite honest, I mean, well, for one, it's going to be different for everybody, but these long races that, let's say, take you know eight, nine-plus hours of training – um, I'm sorry, of racing don't require massive amounts of regular volume. Now, that being said, most people will do better with more volume for those types of racing races. Um, but you don't have to like break the bank and stress out the family and, and be training like a pro necessarily to do well in these events. Um, so I told him or suggested to him the, the way to do that if you are building up for an event well is you know probably somewhere around like the typical week kind of eight to twelve hours a week you can be very very um is it more about being consistent and having like a good consistent block of training weeks where you're getting in the 10 hours maybe a week yes and it's like putting it in the bank and ready to go exactly it's race day particularly early on and we're talking about kind of after you've someone has built their base or done a our base builder program so your base is done yeah, and then it's about being consistent with that race preparation training and being consistent. And then I, my personal opinion on these single-day big events is that you still need to have at least probably once every other week a single big day of training as well because 
training, you know, five days a week, uh, two hours a day, you know, of 10 hours a week of training is a different than say three at three days of, you know, 75 minutes and then adding in a six hour ride. Right. Right. You know, that would have a different kind of adaptation. And the, that example, that second one with the six hour ride would be more applicable to doing a, a Leadville race. Leadville, yeah. Somewhere where you're going to be on your bike for many hours. Yeah. Cause I'm also thinking like how your whole body has to be used to being on that bike for so long. Like your neck gets tired. Yes. Um, and just getting used your to butt. your, your yeah. butt, your neck, your feet. Elbows, like are these wrist, the right feet. shoes yeah. for a five to 10 hour ride? Exactly. There's so many parts to that. Yeah. I like that advice. And if you have a family that well, most people have families or <laughs> other things that are going on. Maybe just the every, every other week, like you said. Yeah, that would be like very doable. And I right. think doable within a family structure as well. If you said like, oh yeah, th- this weekend I'm going to get my big ride in and then next weekend we're going to do family stuff. Right, and then the right. next weekend you get your big ride in. Um, I think can work very well. Those that have more opportunities to ride longer, certain, assuming their fitness is there to, to ride a long ride every week, that's can be even better. You just don't want to overdo it. Okay. Um, but I think that's a good way to, to do it. So, you know, in your biggest weeks, like maybe a month out from your big event, you know, might, and because of those one or two longer rides during the week, you might see a, a training week that's maybe upwards of like 12 to 15 hours, but that would only be one or two weeks over the course of many weeks building up to an event like that. Um, and then another suggestion suggestion I suggestion I recommended was um, w- when you're targeting one single big A race like Leadville, for example, um, it's it's a it's a little tricky to put sort of all your eggs in one basket. So you finish base building and then you're going to do this like 12 or 16 week build or whatever the event is. <clears throat> what I would recommend instead of having this one long build up to this big peak in theory is break it into two, assuming there's enough time. So if you have 12 weeks, let's say, yeah, 12 weeks or more from the time you finish building your base to when that um, A race is for you, divide it in half, roughly, and have a kind of a smaller, like, A minus race that's, mm-hmm. you know, one month to, you know, two months before the, the A race and do a build up for that A minus race, have a great race, um, you get an additional time to kind of peak and have a good race, then recover a little bit, and then do another second build up towards your like A plus race. Um, I love that idea also for testing out race nutrition, testing out your bike equipment, exactly. um, testing out some maybe race strategy or like your nerves, your mental game. Yeah, there's so many. I mean, really, racing within reason is like the best form of training because. Mm-hmm. You exactly that you learn so much from racing, and you can try things, test things out, you know. And if you fail, you fail, especially if you have like lower level priority races mm-hmm. mixed in there as well. But, um, but yeah, so I, I think, uh, I think that's the way to do it is you know, doing a big race, a big volume race doesn't necessarily require hours and hours and hours of riding and training and away from your family and your job, you know, don't let that stop you. Um, you know, you can get by on low to medium volume for a big multi-hour event like Leadville. But it sounds like Wes needs to decide what his goals are going to be for next year. Right. So we will discuss goals more in an upcoming episode. And 
Wes, just keep thinking about it. Like, what sounds more appealing to you? Yeah, think about what gets you excited to, like, get out of bed and on the bike or in the gym, you know, to work towards as far as picking events and things. And we'll talk a lot more about that in a future episode, but um, hopefully this will give you something else to kind of think about. So, Yeah, thanks for the question. Keep them coming. You can either put questions on our forum, which is at endurance.session6.com, and there's a forum tab. Or you can email us at Kathy or Cody at session6.com. And that's Kathy with a K, Cody with a C, and the number six, not, not written out six. Right. Yeah, keep them coming. They're fun to, fun to get the questions and the compliments. <laughs> yeah, keep them coming. Um, all right, should we just get into getting ready for training? Yeah, let's season? talk about the equipment first. I, I see you have a list there. Um, some of them make me giggle a little bit. Uh, like towels. We, we know there's some sweaters out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah in the gym. We'll... <laughs> I think you forgot to put, like, sweatband. I love when people wear those, mm, like... Good one, yeah. um, Well, I actually do wear, Me like, too. something around my head. But I think of, like, the old basketball players that had, like, the thick terry cloth sweatbands. Yeah, yeah. Get some of those. Yeah. I, I actually like wearing that because um, you do sweat a lot on the trainer, for sure. Um, yeah, let's just run down a list of... Some, some of this equipment is very obvious, like the trainer um, and your bike, but then the other things, um, you know, make sense, but maybe you haven't given tons of thought to. Um, so how should we do this? Let's just, yeah, just kind of go list. down the list. So, um, so yeah, the obvious one is you need your trainer. So for those of you doing this with us at Session 6 in-house, obviously we have like the space and the software and all this stuff kind of created for you. But for those of you doing training at home, or even if you're not following our program, but you're going to plan to do a lot of indoor training, um, which we highly recommend, you know, hopefully the, these will be some tips in sort of setting up your pain cave, so to speak, and getting ready um, for trainer season. So yeah, the trainer first and foremost, and there's all kinds of different trainers out there. Um, and I want to talk more about this when we get to that kind of smart versus dumb trainers section. But um, having, um, I would say... A, relatively modern. Um, if you're going to have a non-smart or dumb trainer, um, I mean, I would recommend a fluid-based trainer. Those have been around for a couple decades now. Um, and, I mean, Kurt Kinetics makes one, Cyclops makes one. Those are probably the two most common, most popular ones. Um, they're quiet. They're inexpensive, relatively speaking. In fact, you can probably get on Craigslist these days or eBay or whatever and pick one up for you know, a hundred bucks or something potentially. With the fluid trainers that you're mentioning, do you take off your back wheel? Yeah. So these are all, um, wheel off, okay. uh, types of trainers. Um, so the ones where you take your wheel off, it's also called direct drive and that's the more sort of modern trainer, um, like the Wahoo kicker or the Cyclops hammer or the tax, uh, Neo trainers. Um, we use the Wahoo kickers in our gym. We've had them, uh, for the last four seasons, I think. And, um, Amazing pieces of equipment. I've become a big fan. I'd say if you can afford it, get a, a direct drive trainer. There's so much more stable for one thing, less wear and tear on your equipment as well. I mean, just simple things like the the clamps kind of clamping down on your skewers and whatnot kind of scratches those up. That always bugged me back in the day. Um, I'd use, you know, like old metal skewers for that purpose. Um, but now, Essentially, nothing's touching your bike. You're just putting it on there, and, and it works great with the, yeah, I agree. the direct drive type. So so figure out what kind of trainer you want. Um, 
you know, you're looking price range for a new good um, fluid trainer is probably around 250, 300 bucks. And then smart trainers, I know Wahoo, for example, has um, a wheel on one called the, um, the Snap that's really good. Um, and I want to say it retails for about 600 bucks. And it's a smart trainer, wheel on, works with all the software and everything that's re- a really nice trainer. Then they have like their core trainer, which I think is around eight or 900 bucks. And it's a wheel off direct drive, a little more sort of simplistic compared to the kicker. And then the Wahoo kicker is sort of the gold standard in my opinion, um, of like a wheel off direct drive, fully functioning smart trainer. Um, I mean, like we, we've had gone through many with minimal issues. Yeah. They've Um, been great. Yeah. Very, very good stuff. Um, so figure out what kind of trainer you want to do, what your budget is, figure that out. Um, another key piece of equipment is um, a heart rate monitor. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess even uh, well, alongside with that is your the bike computer itself. So your Wahoo um, Element or your Garmin, those are the two probably most common um, computers. But the device that's on your handlebars that you can see your heart rate um, and power and all that. Kind yeah. Of and stuff. I've seen people try to use a watch while they're <laughs> on the bike and that's probably not the best. Even if you only have a watch, I would put it on your bike handlebars. Strap it to your, yeah. It's really awkward to be looking over at your wrist while you're doing intervals. Yeah. And there's, there's too much to talk about in this, in our episode here, but there's so many options of bike computers. But, um, I mean, again, we're huge Wahoo fans, so we recommend, we use the bolts, um, the element bolt and uh, it's a fairly small one but it has like all the data you need and um and works great but um garmin has a lot of great products as well and as well as some other companies um but then that heart rate monitor like the the actual strap strap. and i would say that that the wahoo strap is is the most comfortable one i've ever worn yeah i would agree that's a really good product we use garmin for years and they've probably improved them since we last used them but i really like the wahoo strap Mm -hmm. and aside from regular you know, like battery changes, we've had zero issues with like you and I have had them, the tickers, um, our junior development, we Devo team has had them. Um, many of the athletes that train with us have bought them from us or gotten them and have had no problems. Um, it's yeah, I like it. They're comfortable and you can make them small enough, like near for narrow chest, um, mm, like point. rib cages. Yeah. I remember like going for runs with my friend Christine and <laughs> We both, especially she's really little, and I mean I'm thin, but I have actually a pretty wide rib cage, and her Garmin strap would never stay on her little teeny rib cage and just yeah, like fall down slight. to her waist all right. the time. And like I said, they probably fixed that by now. But I love the Wahoo ticker very straps. Adjustable. It's it's very adjustable. It's very comfortable. It's like kind of like it's like kind of like wearing spandex shorts. How it like squeezes on you gently. Yeah, good good point. And the other thing I really like about it is it has little lights that indicate when you've snapped it on correctly. And it's connecting to your computer. Um, I think that's really cool. I don't know mm-hmm. of any other one that has like kind of lights, and also lets you know when your battery goes down, um, because that's another thing. Mm, yes. Setting up your pain cave is have check your batteries. a stock of batteries. Yeah. Go to this grocery store, order some on Amazon, and have like six or seven like replacement ones just waiting there for the whole season. You will need them. Yeah, because I don't know how many times in class people have been like, "Oh, my! Can we pair my heart rate?" monitor again it's not going and it's like oh it's a battery issue or it's like the cadence sensor battery goes out or their power meter battery goes out yeah just buy some extra batteries yeah figure out what batteries you use most of them are those coin like uh 
20, 32 batteries. They're not expensive. And like you say, go on Amazon. That's a good like pro tip. And you can buy like a 10 pack where the battery, it comes out to like a dollar each or something. So they're very cheap. And then what I do is I keep some in my, um, I'd keep it in my bag if I'm traveling somewhere to, to do the workout or keep it just right near your, where your trainer setup is. Put one or two in your car. So if you're like at a, a race or something and something goes, battery dies, I've changed, you know, I had to change it right before a race sometimes. Um, and then keep some like in the garage or whatever, you know, by your yeah. workbench or whatever, but kind of have them around and available. Um, and definitely go through and test, test all your batteries, basically. If you have more than one bike, you will think that you just changed the battery and, and be like shocked that <laughs> yeah, it's we've dead. Seen that before. I'm like, no, I swear to God, I just changed this battery. I'm like, no, it's actually on my road bike and now I'm on my mountain bike. And right. so have extra batteries. Yeah, definitely a good, good little tip. Um, all right, so heart rate monitor, um, cadence sensor. That's another big one. So cadence, um, I think, is extremely critical. Um, and we'll get into that in future episodes when we're kind of training it specifically. Um, but I think outdoors on your bike that you ride outside, it's not ultra important unless you're doing some sort of like drill work or something. Um, other than if you're maybe fairly new to the sport, but indoors, it's super critical, um, because it's one of the primary kind of variables that we have to manipulate like the exercise that you're doing, the intervals that you're doing, right? Um, and we do this in many different ways, and I won't get too much into into the details here, but um, various cadence drills and, um, you know, what, certain cadence targets for specific intervals and things. So having, your caden- having a cadence sensor um, is super critical and super useful. And if you're following our program, you'll definitely need it. We'll reference cadence quite a bit when we get going. Do you have a preferred cadence sensor? Uh, there's a lot of different kinds. Good question. So, um, for example, with the Wahoo kickers or the you know the wahoo cadence sensor is a kind of stick on you can stick it to like your crank arm and it's um or you can put it like under a shoe strap and it's like an accelerometer based um sensor so as opposed to like a magnet based Mm. cadence sensor so yeah maybe we should talk about the differences so um, the traditional cadence sensor typically you have a magnet on your crank arm and then the device that kind of reads the magnet as it circles around measuring your cadence that's attached usually to your chainstay. Um, those work extremely well, flawless. The only sort of drawback is um, they're a little bit bigger typically. You have, well, you have to have a magnet on your crank arm and then you have this moderately large device sitting on your chainstay that you usually zip tie or whatever. Um, the sort of more like modern ones are now accelerometer based. So the, an accelerometer is also like in our cell phones and things that how you use your GPS and it mm, tells you what right, direction right. you're going and it measures various things. It, so it doesn't need a magnet. It's actually sensing like the actual movement of the little device. Um, so that's why you can just stick it to your crank arm or stick it under a shoe strap or something and it'll work. But what I found um, is seeing people use this, especially when we do our high cadence drills, it works really well at sort of average or normal cadences, but when you start going either really high cadences, like when we're peaking out like a, a spin-up or something, you know, trying to hit 150 or higher cadence, it's not the most accurate. And the higher you get, the less accurate, and it kind of 
blinks in and out sometimes. I think you're like going too fast, basically, for the accelerometer. <laughs> Thinks you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, and then if, not as often, but sometimes <clears throat> on the the low end of the spectrum, it'll it doesn't work perfectly either. But that's less of a concern compared to the high end. <laughs> so if you're going to really work on some cadence drills, which we will in our program early on, um, you'll want. I prefer more of that magnet-based one. Um, and then the third type of cadence sensor comes with many power meters, like the quark power meter, for example. The cadence readings are built into the device. So that, that's what you Do they have. work well? Yeah. yeah oh, that's what right. we have. Yeah, yeah, that does work well. Yeah, so that's what you, you're, is on your bike and you're familiar okay. with and mine as well, um, is the quark power meter. And it has the, I, I'm assuming it's an accelerometer in there as well, but it just works better. Like that's why we have exact cadences when we get upwards of 200 RPM. Well, what was the problem in class last year where when some, I can't remember who it was, but when they were pedaling with, with one foot, they could get the cadence, and when they pedaled with the other foot, they couldn't get the cadence? Yeah, so that's, um, they were probably using one of those accelerometer-based ones and putting the cadence sensor in their shoe. So oh, okay. when we were doing ILTs, and you unclip, and the sensor's in the foot that's not unclipped in and pedaling, it's going to say zero because <laughs> okay that makes sense <laughs> um so what should someone do for the ilts then? well if you have an accelerometer based one stick it to your crank arm so it's always measuring the actual crank oh arm. right not your shoe yeah. okay i'm, I'm the touching. shoe one is when people forget at the gym and i have a couple extras and it's like if you stick this on your bike you're going to forget and leave with it so let's put it in your shoe okay when you take your shoe off and it falls off and we're like oh here then they give it back to me <laughs> <laughs> okay um so yeah, cadence sensor. So if you don't have one, research it. How much would someone pay for a cadence uh, sensor? I think like the Wahoo accelerometer-based ones are pretty inexpensive. Um, I want to say like 20 maybe 30 bucks. Um, so people could get heart rate monitors and, com- and the computer and a cadence sensor for fairly reasonable prices. Yeah. In fact, most companies, Wahoo and Garmin, I know for sure, bundle those together so if you're in the market for new stuff you could get a computer heart rate strap cadence and or speed sensor um which isn't that useful on the trainer except for one situation which we'll get to um as like a bundled purchase together and then what i like about that is then you have like the same brand of products working together and it almost always works perfectly that way as opposed to like Having kind a Wahoo computer yeah. and a Garmin strap and a cat eye cadence or whatever. So, Oh, check that out. They're really important pieces of equipment, and you won't regret having them for sure. Right. Um, so, yeah, real, before we leave the topic, you have the speed sensors, because a lot of times cadence and speed sensors sort of come together combined. Um, the speed sensor, if you're using a smart trainer, isn't really important or necessary, but the smart trainer will usually tell you a, a speed so to speak as if you were outside um the one place where a speed sensor is somewhat helpful is for the old school trainer so like the dumb trainer the fluid trainer um and for our testing our aerobic test it can be somewhat helpful assuming you are good at calibrating everything and making sure everything is equal from test to test um, because those aerobic tests what you do is you do 20 minutes at a specific heart rate and ideally, you have a power meter on your trainer or your bike, and you see what your average power is at that aerobic heart rate, and you're looking for improvements. Now, if you don't have power meter and you have an older fluid trainer, so you don't have power at all, 
you can get by with a speed sensor telling you how far you traveled in that 20 minutes at your aerobic heart rate. And it'll give you some sort of idea of improvement with the idea of like you're going faster, traveling further with each test. Now, the, the caveat there is that it's not super accurate because you have to have like the same tire, the same tire pressure. Mm. There's a lot of variables that can make change, you know, subtle differences. So it's not the best, but it's something. It's something. Yeah. Um, so, and we'll talk more about that. We have an episode coming up that will lay out the details of our testing protocol in, in deep detail. And we'll talk about that a little bit too. Um, um, all right. Power meters. Um, that's something we highly recommend, but we don't expect everyone to have, um, primarily because they're a little bit more expensive. Um, they are becoming more affordable and more accessible. Um, if you have a smart trainer and you're going to do all your interval training inside, you really don't quote need a power meter for your bike to ride outside. Um, but at the same time, it's very valuable, in my opinion, and useful to have a power meter on your bike. Um, so you have power on every ride you do. Um, but that's like another investment of right. minimal that's, 400 That's a bucks. personal budget yeah, issue there if you place. can have both. Yeah. I mean, a power meter, you're looking at minimum probably 400 bucks, depending on what it is, up to 12 to 1500 bucks for um, some of the better ones out there. So it is coming down. Back in the day, it was like $3,000 for a power oh meter. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah, like the SRMs early on. Um, and then power taps came out, the hub-based ones. But those were still, my memory is like 1500 bucks, And right. they weren't even that great. Um, and they've just come a long, long ways. I mean, devices, well, Quark's our favorite, the crank-based one. Um, stages we've had over the years, and they work pretty well for the money. They're probably one of the... Um, kind of lesser expensive options. Um, so there's some many options out there, again, just like with computers and everything. So research stuff, but you definitely don't need it, especially if you have a smart trainer. And I don't know, I'm on the fence, like, w if you're going to spend money somewhere, where do you spend it? Like, do you spend it on a smart trainer so you have power indoors that's really accurate and good? Or is it better to get a power meter on your bike and mm. get a fluid non-smart trainer um is it kind yeah, of that's, a personal opinion yeah that, that that could be a debate yeah i mean i think if it were me quite honestly i'd get the power meter on my bike a cork that's just what i found i like um and i'd get probably the best quality fluid trainer that i could afford and um that way i have power indoors and outdoors um so i always have power basically and um, for me, the smart trainer, some of the usage of a smart trainer with like the erg mode and like going on Zwift and things like that isn't something that I personally use, but I know a lot of people use it and benefit from it. So if that's what, like if you're going to be indoors a lot, like maybe, actually maybe if you like you're in the upper Midwest where it's like you're in, it's this trainer, that's the only option. Right, or a right. snow bike or something. Then maybe, because you'd probably be riding Zwift or whatever quite a bit, then I might go with the smart trainer. But where we live, where we ride outside in the winter without too much problems, I like having it outside. So um, anyway, that's just sort of a debate. <laughs> it's a Cody tangent. <laughs> yeah, tangent. Um, all right, so back to our building our pain cave. 
Another huge thing is a fan. Yes. Yeah. So um, a fan not only does it make or us two. or two, <laughs> not only makes us feel better, but we actually can perform better with a fan um, in terms of the work you're doing in the particular interval. Okay. Now there are times within a season where you it is beneficial to do intervals and things without a fan for heat adaptation and also uh, altitude adaptations, which come from training in the heat. They're very similar. Um, but I'm, I'm personally not a huge fan of that. It's not fun. Um, but there are big benefits, but for what we're talking about here, like base training, we're far away from any kind of serious racing. So we don't need the heat or altitude adaptations at that point of the season. The fan is there purely to increase your comfort for training indoors. If you're more comfortable, you're more likely to train right indoors. And then you can actually work harder because you keep your core temperature down that little bit more. You know, conversely, someone might need a heater in their garage over the winter. Oh, good point. So I remember seeing posts by your buddy James Walsh. Yeah. And I think it was like, you know, 10 degrees in their garage and they were freezing. So <laughs> <laughs> you might need a heater and a fan at the same at time. At the same time, yeah. Well, yeah, I think, well, I think James, I think he's upgrading at a heated garage now. He's pretty Okay, he's pretty fancy. Bougie, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, we've done workouts. I know I've done workouts in the garage. Um, and it's literally like 20 degrees in the garage. So you're wearing like leg warmers on the trainer and a hat at least to start with. And, mm-hmm. and then you're peeling clothes and you eventually get down to like a summer type of layer and then like steam's coming off of Yeah, then you might want the fan just to get some airflow yeah. and circulation. Yeah. So everyone's environment's a little bit different, but highly a fan is basically a must have there's different kinds um you want ones that kind of hit the majority of your body so to speak um and fairly powerful i would say the more powerful the better um and then depending on other noises and things going on around you how noisy the fan is might be an issue as well but get a fan do your research what kind you want what kind you like that sort of thing and you'll be good. I know Wahoo has a pretty cool new fan that oh, came really? out last year. Called I think it's called the Headwind, and it connects to the kicker. Really? And so the more power you're producing, so the harder you're working in theory, the more you're sweating, the speed of the fan goes up. Huh. And you know, provides more airflow. And then when you go into like more of a recovery mode and less power, the speed of the fan goes down. So it kinda like ebbs and flows with your effort, which hmm. is kinda cool. It's Probably cool. a little more than necessary. Yeah, but some people but really like all the, the, the gadgets. gizmos and gadgets yeah. galore. It's pretty cool. I mean, if I could get one, I would get one probably. Um, along the lines of sweating, towels. We yeah. kind of mentioned that. Yeah, That's I just obvious. throw a hand towel over my, my bars. and Yeah, get a couple of them. And yeah, <laughs> wash them regularly. I mean, use one for like your face. Use one to kind of wipe the sweat off your bike. Blow your nose. Yes. Don't blow your nose and then wipe your face. Use two different sides. <laughs> right. And that's a real, that's the struggle is real there because what's happening is you're working hard, you have cool air blowing on you, and that makes your sinuses kind of open up <laughs> and you get a drippy nose. So I'm, I'm constantly blowing my nose. I know. So I, we have those old Session 6 logo towels, and I make sure I blow my nose on like kind of the rough side where the logo yeah. is, and then wipe my face on the smooth side. There you go. So I don't forget. Yeah, yeah. The way I do it is I look for the tag of uh-huh. the towel. 
And I know the tag end is like the boogery end. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then the other end of the towel is like the wipe your face end. That's how I do it. Okay. <laughs> so I look for the tag. There's That's the tag silly. end. My <laughs> um, but yeah, it's all about management, right? Um, so towels are good. Um, Did you forget mat? Oh yeah, a mat. mat. So for, yeah, at home, if you're training in the garage, in the basement, inside the house, whatever, getting a good floor mat is key. And it's, I think it's something that maybe people can overlook and, you know, in order to kind of save money, which I totally get, maybe you lay down a beach towel or something, um, to pick up the sweat. But not only is the mat for collecting your sweat, but it's also for stability of like your whole situation, like the trainer, uh, if you put a trainer right on a wood floor or a tile floor, the, often they scoot around, drift mm-hmm. around. A mat, a rubber mat, keeps that in place. Same with, like, your front wheel. And if you have, like, a riser block or something on a rubber, it'll just be more solid feeling. Right. Um, and then it's, I suppose, more hygienic or easier to clean. Well, yeah, if you have a mat, you can just take a Clorox wipe and yeah. wipe it down. Um, or you could put a towel underneath your bike on top of the mat if you're like really pouring buckets. Yeah. Some people sweat more than others for sure. Uh, You mentioned the riser, um, blocks too. I meant to say something earlier because that's personal preference, but Mm -hmm. with with the way my lower back is fused, I like to have a, a, a lift to my front wheel when we're indoors. I don't think about being like off balance outside. I don't know what the difference is, but I need... My front wheel uh, lifted up. So if you don't have like a, a fancy block that came with the trainer, you can just put some dumbbells or um, some weight, yeah, or, something yeah. underneath that front wheel just to make you feel comfortable on the trainer. Yeah, that's a good tip. And one I didn't write down was the block. Um, yeah, I think that is key because when your bike, well, there's a couple situations here. The kind of the normal trainer, wheel on trainer, I should say. Um, elevates the back of your bike so in essence you're kind of going in a downhill position and then you have more weight forward which is more weight on your the front part of like your pelvis and your sensitive bits in the front and then also (laughs) um, more weight kind of going on your hands under the handlebars and so that's why it's not so comfortable so if you shift if you put a riser block underneath it sort of tips you as if now you're going uphill and what that does is it rotates all your weight back a little bit so it's easier Mm. to sit more on your sit bones and you'll be more comfortable in the saddle you'll have less pressure on your hands on the handlebars Um, so it is more comfortable for sure it's much more comfortable for me and they hold your front wheel a little bit more stable as well Mm -hmm. typically Um, so yeah riser block is another thing Um, there you can get a manufactured one specific for riding a bike on a trainer or like you said anything that elevates your front wheel and is like stable stable enough um you, you should be good to go um, music. Yeah, music. So Make your playlist. Yeah, I think music is very beneficial. I'm not a huge music outdoors fan person for safety reasons, and I also find that if you're outside, enjoy being outside and thinking, but that's a whole other topic. Um, inside, I think music is key. I mean, you got to have it um, because you're not doing much, and it keeps you engaged. Also having music that kind of fits the tonality of the effort mm-hmm. i guess yeah i agree works. yeah you kind of play around with that when you're running our classes indoors DJ yeah dj cody i don't think i do a very good job no it's <laughs> i don't know we we probably annoy people with our music sure but um yeah something a little more chill like the the killers or something for the warm-up and then you know maybe some more moderate for 
aerobic. Yeah, and then ACDC, ACDC Thunderstruck for like the really hard the intervals or something. Or yeah. Yeah, so, if, I mean, this obviously is all personal opinion, but find music that works for you. Playlists nowadays are easy to whip up. Yeah. You know, do it. Whatever's going to get you on the bike and training more is going to be the key there. Um, and uh, I'm a fan of, personally, more like the... Is it ambient music, like a speaker that's projecting to my room as opposed to headphones? Well, that's my preference, too. Yeah. I don't, I'm not a headphones person. Right. I'm not either. But again, personal preference um, on that. One thing I highly discourage is watching TV um, during the trainer for our specific structured trainer workouts. Because the trainer workouts, if you're doing an actual trainer workout, it should be extremely specific and require a lot of attention and a lot of details that you're sort of monitoring with power, cadence, heart rate, um, hand position, you know, all these different things. And TV is distracting. Now, that being said, if you're going to try to do a two-hour kind of aerobic ride because it's snowing outside, sure, that's the time to watch a movie or watch a football game or whatever. Um, but uh, if you're doing the structured intervals, I'd say stick to music and be focused on on your effort. Um because to do it right, it's going to be required. Um, and then lastly is figuring out your uh, if you're going to use any third-party apps. So this is for smart trainer users. Um, third-party apps are things like Zwift, um, Be Cool, um, Sufferfest, I think it's called. There's, there's like a hundred or more third-party apps out there to basically either control your trainer or create a workout or provide you some sort of entertainment in terms of riding like Zwift. Um, this is obviously totally optional um, and specifically for smart trainer users. Um, or if you're more old school, you don't have to really worry about that. But the idea here is figuring out what kind of third-party apps are going to work for you and your goals. Well, do people need a third-party app in order to do our remote base builder program? Um I think that's the important question here. With the smart trainers? Yeah. Um, no, they do not. So our wor workouts that we provide with our training program are structured, and they're built within training peaks. They are downloadable and uploadable to a third-party app like Zwift, and you can perform the workout while using like the Zwift um, hardware, I guess. Software. Software, software, yeah. <laughs> um, to kind of like run the workout. But you don't need to do that. Um, you can use the Wahoo app if you're using a Wahoo kicker um, and put the, the trainer into like slope mode or level mode and use it like a regular trainer in a power meter because it'll tell you how many like watts you're doing and, and along with like your cadence and all that kind of stuff. Um and you can even forego that. And if you're, if I know if you're using a Wahoo trainer and a Wahoo computer, you can pair those together and have the workout from Training Peaks uploaded um, via Bluetooth without even really doing anything into the Wahoo computer. The Wahoo That's computer right. then talks to the Wahoo trainer and takes you through like the whole workout. Like you see the little like bar graph of your mm -hmm. workout up and down and the different intensities on your handlebar and it goes from there. So no, you don't need to have a third party app. Those are kind of just optional and, um, 
you know, the more you're going to be indoors riding, probably the more beneficial that would be. But if you're doing like our program twice a week, structured intervals, you know, you don't need it in my yeah. opinion. And w- I guess we are both a little bit old school. Uh, you, True. You because you've done this forever and me because you taught me to be old school. <laughs> um, like we, we are not personally fans of like the avatar based programs. Like that just doesn't make us happy. And so if we were doing our own interval program in our garage without being at the studio and using the studio software, we would probably just like print out the workout and, and use, um, our printout for going through the intervals and not having the trainer control the workout. Correct. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That or using our computer to run the trainer, uh, would be the other kind of depending option. on the workout, depending on the workout. Yeah. yeah. So the first half of our training program, and this is a good little segue into like our training progressions of our training program. The first eight weeks of the trainer par- portion of the base builder is focused on aerobic training along with some skill development, pedaling skills. Okay. So we're talking about single leg pedaling, some high cadence drills, things like that, that you're not training to necessarily a specific power output where like a erg mode where, um, where you want the trainer like controlling the resistance. You want, like a treadmill where you're running. Yeah. You want the trainer to be like free, like you're out on the road and the harder you pedal, the bigger the gear, the more resistance you have. And then if you want really light resistance, you go to an easier gear or lower that slope in a uh, smart trainer. So it provides you very little resistance for certain exercises. And also for the aerobic intervals that make up the first half of the first eight weeks is we're going to be targeting, we're going to want to be targeting a specific heart rate effort, um, training that aerobic system. And then we want to keep an eye on where our power is, assuming you have power with, um, depending on your devices. So, um, examples like aerobic intervals when we do four times 10 minutes aerobic it's like we want to be at that whatever that aerobic heart rate is let's say it's 140 beats a minute for those 10 minutes and we want to see kind of where our power is but we don't necessarily want the trainer to lock us into a specific power output because if it happens to be too hard or we're a little tired or something where our heart rate gets too high you can't really without manually i guess pushing a button to lower it you can't um, make it kind of easier to stay within that heart rate zone that you want to be in. So as we go through the trainer weeks, will you give tips to the people at home? About oh, absolutely. Should you use level mode, met mode, or erg mode? Yes, and that's really kind of the big underlying intention of the, all these recordings, these podcasts, is to give those tips of okay. what you should be focusing on. And then later down the road in the second eight weeks when we do high-intensity training, more specific intervals like anaerobic threshold intervals, VO2 intervals, anaerobic power, that's when we'll, erg mode can become more helpful, not necessary, but helpful, but where you're going to be targeting a specific power where you're like, okay, I'm going to do 300 watts for two minutes and then do, you know, and then recover and repeat that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where like the erg mode can be more beneficial in the, the power uh, as opposed to the heart rate. So depends like what you're training, okay. um, if that makes sense. So that kind of hits our progression as well is like right now we're outside, hopefully riding very low intensity, just getting those like foundation quote unquote base miles in enjoying ourselves. And then we're going to go inside for eight weeks and focus more on like that aerobic threshold doing, um, you know, sub maximal aerobic power intervals. 
And then the third eight weeks, the last bit of the base builder is where we get into more of that high intensity, moving through the high end of the energy systems. Yeah, the, the sweaty ones. The sweaty ones, yeah. So the first big chunk is really more heart rate based and then kind of referencing power. Then the second half that's high intensity is more power based and then we're going to keep an eye on our heart rate, making sure we're not working too hard basically um, in those. Um, yeah, so where were we here? I mean, I think that... Yeah, that covers it, up. and we'll, we'll give more details as we go along. Yeah, I don't want to belabor the point. It's not the most exciting topic here, but it's really more for people gearing up for riding on the trainers um, and figuring out the equipment they need. Make sure you have everything. Make yeah, sure yeah. everything works. Um, the takeaway is prepare. It, it's like if you're leaving on an airplane t- tomorrow, you would at least pack today, if not before. So don't wait until the morning of the first trainer session and say, oh, crap, I don't have X, Y, and Z. Yeah, oh, the battery's dead. Yeah, start thinking about it. um, And please send questions to us if you are confused. This is new for some of you out there, especially the connecting of the the downloadable uh, workouts into your, your smart trainer, perhaps. So ask us if you have questions and let us help you get going. Yeah, it can be a little cumbersome at first, but every year they're getting better and better at making this more and more user friendly. Um, all right, I think we've belabored that point well enough. Um, yeah, so moving on to, we'll wrap it up here with week six of our base builder program. So for those of you following our program, um, and it's not too late to get on board with that. Um, yep, I, um, our friend Sarah just um, got on board oh two yeah. days ago. Sarah, so. who was used to live here and train with us in-house, moved to Durango, Colorado. Yeah. And now she's doing the remote program. Yeah, so we, cool. I texted with her, and we get to see her in a couple of weeks at the state championship mountain bike race. Because her high school, yeah. yeah, her son Ian races, and so we'll get to see her face to face, which will be fun. But cool, well, that's fun. She joined in, and yeah, that's gonna be fun and to have her started part of it. and up to speed, so to speak. Exactly. Cool. Uh, yeah, so week six, there's not a lot here. So um, basically, we're just continuing to gradually progress in the gym, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll let you take that. You're the gym. Well, gym yeah, coach. we're we're gonna increase the percentages for our back squats and deadlifts. In other words, we're going to get a little heavier. Um, and then we're going to add some more reps for our push-pull, and we are revisiting the core sets we've already seen once. And I, like I said earlier in the podcast, I will try to put up some videos really soon for those of you who'd like to add a bit of spice to um, the core movements as you go along. Okay, cool. Um, and then on the bike, honestly, it's like more of the same, low heart rate, just... Get out and ride, have fun, enjoy yourself, push yourself maybe once a week if it's a cyclocross race or a group ride or something. But most of this is just like getting out, enjoying yourself. And I, the way I look at it is like try to accumulate as many minutes on the bike as you can for the next like basically we have four more weeks until trainer season begins um, for our program. So it's like these next four weeks, just get as many minutes out riding. I mean, the weather's getting like perfect here in, in the Denver area. Um, and uh, just kind of get the most of it because before you know it, it'll be chilly, sadly. Um, not that you can't get out and ride still, but definitely not as enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Not quite as appealing. Yeah, so get those fall rides in. The leaves are starting to kind of change higher up. They'll be changing down low here pretty soon, I think, and um, get those kind of... It's true. Minutes. You know, Ruben, who's a longtime participant, mentioned to me in class this week that last weekend... He went up to the mountains to ride because he was leafing. 
And I loved uh, that phrase. I was check like, out oh, the, you're, yeah, the he was. Yeah, like I hadn't thought of it as a verb. He okay. was leafing. Yeah. So maybe do some leafing in your area and, and um, connect with some friends and go see some new places. Yeah. I noticed on our rides this week, higher up, when we mm-hmm. got up higher, the, I saw some yellow leaves and stuff. And yeah, we were leafing and didn't know it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. I think that that covers this episode. Not the most exciting or interesting one, but hopefully gave you some things to think about and things to do over the next few weeks, getting your pain cave set up. Um, yeah, let us know if you have questions. Yeah. And as we've said many times, it's it's not too late to join our remote base builder program. You can get more information on our website, which is endurance.session6.com. And there's different drop downs for individual and group and stock plans. And you can just check everything out that we um, offer. Offer there, yep. And then lastly, um, definitely give us a rating and a, a review on iTunes. And we're also available on Google i uh, google podcast google podcast and then we will be submitting now we're at 10 episodes in to um, some other hosting services as well um, so then hopefully we'll get on your favorite one and make it that much easier to, to tune in each week so um all right i think that does it yeah have a great weekend everybody have a great weekend enjoy the fall